Good morning. Today's scripture is from the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. After leaving the synagogue, Jesus, James, and John went home with Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed, sick with a fever, and they told Jesus about her at once. He went to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up. The fever left her, and she served them. That evening at sunset, people brought to Jesus those who were sick or demon-possessed. The whole town gathered near the door. He healed many who were sick with all kinds of diseases, and he threw out many demons. But he didn't let the demons speak because they had recognized him. Early in the morning, well before sunrise, Jesus rose and went to a deserted place where he could be alone in prayer. Simon and those with him tracked him down. When they found him, they told him, Everyone's looking for you. He replied, Let's head in the other direction, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there too. That's why I've come. He traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and throwing out demons. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Michael, and thank you very much, Grace, for your beautiful music this morning. Okay, so have you ever gotten an assignment from your boss or teacher or mentor or even your spouse, and you're going, huh? You want me to do what? I'm not sure I understand. Well, Pastor Jim recently gave me an opportunity to preach while he is away, and I I found myself kind of confused by the sermon title and theme. I felt a little like Tom Hanks in the movie Big. Do you guys remember that movie? Most of you have seen it, right? Okay, but just in case you haven't, it's one of my favorites. And Tom Hanks plays a 13-year-old boy named Josh. So Josh is this kid in the the beginning of the movie, and he makes this wish that he just wants to be big. Well, he got his wish, and the next morning he's in an adult-sized body. This is where Tom Hanks comes in. So in his mind, he's still 13, but in his body, he's a full-grown, a person. He's thrust into the adult world, and I know this is a movie, but quite by accident, he lands a job at a big toy company in New York City. And he gets catapulted to the top of this company, and he is tasked with testing the new products, all the new toys. And in one of my all-time favorite scenes, Josh is sitting among the company executives, all the bigwigs in a boardroom. Do you guys remember this scene? And he's listening to a colleague's presentation on this new kind of like transformer toy. And it's very boring. It's very sterile. It's full of stats and statistics. And everyone around Josh just nodding and, oh, yes, of course, yeah, huh? Guy gets done with his presentation. Everyone says, good job, good job, yes. But Josh is sitting there with this look on his face. And he raises his hand and he goes, I don't get it. And his colleague snaps back, well, what exactly don't you get? From there they have this kind of exchange where the stiff colleague, who clearly does not like to be questioned, refers Josh to the report. If he would just read the report and the market research and all the data, he'd have the answers. And Josh pauses for a minute and says, oh, yeah, I still don't get it. 
The reality was that nobody in the room really got it. But Josh, being a 13-year-old boy in his honesty and his naive nature, admitted what no one else was willing to. He just didn't get it. And actually some positive things came out of this admission, and they were able to create something much better. But that's sort of what I felt like when I got this assignment. Um, Pastor Jim, uh, yes, Ellie, um, this sermon I was supposed to do, I don't get it. If God were one of us today, the message would be spreading. So God is here with us today? No, 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 no. No, Jesus is here today. He was like, no, Ellie, no. Um, so you're saying that basically we're embodying Jesus of one of, as one of his disciples today. And because of that, the message, the good news, would be spreading through us. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, you got it, finally. And I was like, I still don't get it. Because, <laughs> see, I'm racking my brain, and this is what happens when you're an overthinker. So I'm, I'm, I'm racking my brain, and I'm like, how are we, you and me, us, right now, How are we going to spread Jesus' message? Okay, let me be clear. That whatever it is that we are doing is so impactful that the message itself is spreading. And that's huge. But how is that going to happen? I mean, we live in this high-tech global world filled with social media, connected like no other time in history. And yet we're still isolated from one another in very profound ways. Some churches are cropping up and they're growing exponentially. Something's working for them, but it's not working for all of us. I mean, the mainline churches, they're in rapid decline. I think this whole idea of how to truly spread the good news to the world, now that is a question that keeps a good preacher up at night. Where do we start? How do we do this effectively? What is the best approach? What are the tools and resources that we might need? And if I'm lucky enough to find something that works, how do I take it to the next level? So if I have these questions now, maybe Jesus had them back then too. I mean, he was the one tasked with spreading this new message in a whole exciting new way, and yet he was highly successful at it. And maybe you're saying, yeah, but, you know, Jesus is the son of God, so of course he knew what to do. It's an unfair advantage, but not so fast. Jesus was also one of us. Jesus was as much human as he was divine. When Jesus set out in his ministry, it was not as if he had done this before. But as we heard from our scriptures from Mark today, in just those ten short verses, Despite what er, any questions he might have had early on, Jesus developed some very important practices early in his ministry. A system, a template, if you will, for himself, for his disciples, and for us. Those who would continue to believe in his message and be emboldened by the Holy Spirit to spread that message of love, grace, forgiveness, and inclusiveness in the family of God. So yes, as much as I struggled to get it at first, I think 
I found a method that can empower us, just as it did for Jesus. And we wouldn't just be spreading the message. The message would be spreading. So let's hear those scriptures again from a slightly different point of view. Let's hear them from the message version of the Bible. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you! Jesus replied, Let us go someplace else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled through Galilee, preaching in the synagogues, and driving out the demons. So, did you hear the six-point plan, the optimal way to ensure that the message will be spreading through you? Okay, raise your hand if you're thinking, I don't get it. <laughs> See, for me, the more that I got into these scriptures, and that wasn't, it wasn't just the title that threw me, it wasn't just the theme of this sermon series, it was the scriptures, and I was like, Jim, but this Pastor Jim, he knows what he's talking about. Because the more I got into these scriptures, I started to see that we can embody some of those distinct elements of Jesus' ministry as a way to ensure that it isn't just heard today, that the message would be spreading. Now, before I proceed, I'm going to throw a disclaimer. And before you go into hibernation, because here's where it gets tough, this is the disclaimer. These scriptures can sound very strange to our modern ears. Demon exorcisms, cultural norms, which I promised myself I would not get into, Garth, but yes, Simon's mother-in-law, as soon as she was healed, jumped up and served everyone. Cultural norms and roles of men and women that might strike us as odd. Those I am not going to address or attempt to explain. Because if you actually do go back to those scriptures, there's a really beautiful message that lies within that healing. But for today, let's just set those aside and agree that we just don't get it. But what we can get is the simple, encompassing, and holistic approach to spreading the good news that Jesus modeled for us. We can find them right in these ten verses. Beginning with interactions. Jesus interacted with people. He interacted with the public, with his community, and he had one-on-one interactions. Jesus healed. He proclaimed. He had private solitude with God. He got out of the comfort zone with people and places. And he understood the mission. So let's take that first step. Interactions of all kinds with all kinds of people. Jesus, in these early verses of the Gospel of Mark, show us that he had a variety of interactions that allowed him to spread the message. He did it publicly, openly, and often with large crowds around him. 
not cloistered away or withdrawn from the public. He walked among the people in his ministry. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. The message spread through people because Jesus was accessible to people. But he also spread his message by equipping and teaching the disciples. And at this point in his ministry, he doesn't have the whole group assembled. There aren't 12 of them yet. But we do hear about how Jesus was with James and John, and they went to the home of Simon and Andrew. Jesus had community. He had companions. And in fact, I think the message even said his companions were with him. They went alongside him on this journey and his ministry. Jesus sought out and created community with his disciples, and that was very essential to his ministry. Jesus didn't do it alone, and neither should we. And that's why I think we as a church, a community of believers in the modern world, can really be an essential part of creating disciples and be a positive perpetuation of the gospel message. And finally, Jesus also had very personal interactions over and over again with all kinds of individuals throughout his ministry. We heard this morning that Jesus healed Simon's mother-in-law, that very personal and singular interaction. Do you remember the message talked about how he reached out and touched her hand? Now, I don't know about you, but when my kids and I go to a store right now, I'm like, don't touch anyone, don't touch anything, because there's so much illness. And if we're scared of that today, can you imagine what a fever would have been like in those days with no real way to treat it? I mean, this was a very personal interaction that Jesus touched this woman. But we see this all the time with Jesus, how he gets personal with people. Zacchaeus, Nicodemus, Mary Magdalene, the woman at the well, and even the thief dying on the cross next to him. Jesus did this so very well. He modeled for us how to connect person to person. We need that one-on-one interaction with people. Spreading the good news can and should be personal. Sometimes it leads us to converse and connect with people in a way that really opens them up. That our story, what we share with them about how Jesus has transformed our life can really set another individual free. That they might come to know Christ because we took the time to share it with them. So Jesus shows us in these scriptures and throughout his ministry the need to interact with all kinds of people on multiple levels as an effective way to spread the message. So I challenge you this morning, when looking at those three levels, public, community, church, or one-on-one, which are the areas that you're good at? And which are the ones that you're kind of lacking in? Something to think about. Okay, moving on to steps two and three. Jesus healed and he proclaimed. It wasn't an either-or for him. Jesus did both. He engaged in a healing ministry that literally changed and transformed lives, casting out the demons of his day, freeing people of literal and metaphorical illnesses in order that they might live changed lives and rejoin their communities. I mean, that was a part of that healing where he brought people back into the fold. Think about the people who were completely shunned in society because of whatever ailment they had. 
So he literally freed people that they might be emboldened to share their powerful experiences of God's love with others. And of course, Jesus spoke the words. Okay? The scriptures say he preached, but you know, I don't want us choir to take that too literally. You know, don't get hung up on the word preached. Yes, Jesus preached, but he proclaimed. And we can proclaim. Preaching isn't just for Garth and Allie and Jim. I mean, to be a disciple of Christ, it is to proclaim the truth. And that is what Jesus did. Jesus proclaimed that through his Father, there was a different way. A way based in love and peace and justice. A total rejection of the violent, oppressive, greedy, and divisive practices that created man-made empires and kingdoms. Not in God's kingdom. Jesus' words both challenged and inspired. Jesus' words were spoken in truth, and they created a movement and brought forth an acceptance of those left behind, the marginalized. Jesus made sure that everyone knew God's kingdom was for all. Jesus' words called for a change of heart and mind and a radical life-transforming invitation to follow him, to be his disciples. And it was a message that resonated. So yes, Jesus preached, but he also proclaimed. And remember, Jesus was not one-dimensional. Jesus proclaimed powerfully the message of his Father, both in healings and in declarations. And we are called to do both as well. Now, I really believe that the message of Jesus spreads when we heal the demons in our own time and in our own culture and communities. I think when we reach out into the world beyond us here and we help those who are hurting from the very real demons of poverty, domestic violence, addiction, homelessness, oppressive systems, and mental illness, just to name a few, we speak volumes to the loving nature of God we worship when we care for the marginalized in our society. Have you ever heard that we are the hands and feet of Christ? Absolutely. But we're also the mouthpiece of God and his message of love for humankind. So the story of Jesus, that's our story too. So we've got to spread it both in our actions and through our words. Step four. Now this is something that I talk about much more uh, in-depth in the worship guide. So if you go to your Going Deeper piece this week, um, I talk about this fourth step. And this is that Jesus was able to effectively get the message spread because Jesus engaged in practices that strengthened him and guided him in his ministry. Now, do you remember when I said that Jesus' approach was holistic? Hey, like that it was all-encompassing? Jesus learned early on to prioritize his prayer life and retreat into solitude so that he could be with his Father. Can you imagine how different Jesus' ministry would have been if he had never taken any time to recharge, to be in prayer, to get away from all the overwhelming demands placed upon him? Recall our scriptures. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at his door. Now, I grew up in a town of like 350 people. I don't know where you grew up. 
But see, if 350 people showed up on my doorstep, I know that I would be overwhelmed. And then, and this is where I know Jesus has it in his heart for mothers, because this next part, after Jesus emerged from his quiet time and prayer, and moms, you know what I'm talking about. You just get a few minutes to yourself. This exact same thing happened to Jesus. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everybody's looking for you. Don't you feel like that? Well, dads, you, you you know it too. Every time you get a little peace and quiet, everyone's looking for you. They want you. Um, maybe this is a poor comparison, but it seems like so many performers, you know, especially the ones in the entertainment and music industry, you know, the ones that are constantly going out on a tour and they're singing or they're performing night after night and city after city, and they find themselves in the hospital for exhaustion. Because even when we are doing something that we truly love and are passionate about, I mean, there's always that possibility of burnout. There's always that real consequence of being inundated. God invites us to spend quiet time with him in prayer and conversations so that we might connect and know God on a deeper level. I mean, how easy is it for us to let our own agenda, our own priorities and wants rise to the top? When we neglect our alone time with God, we're often left ragged, irritable, and ineffective. Jesus understood that to have an energized ministry that would spread the message of the good news, he had to find ways to restore his body, his mind, and his soul. And so if you've never practiced some of these spiritual techniques, go to the worship guide. Check out the devotional. Listed underneath there are some ways to learn about contemplative prayer and some other forms of worship that connect you more deeply with God. And now we're down to step five and six. And I really hate doing this to you guys. I feel like a teacher, you know, hammering out the six points. So I'm going to put five and six together. We're going to power through this, getting out of the comfort zone. Jesus got out of his comfort zone in relationship to people and to places. And we're going to go back to the scriptures again. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. So he traveled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues, and driving out demons. Well, maybe it's hard for us to fully understand, but in these scriptures alone, it's clear that Jesus had gained a pretty big following. I mean, he was that guy that came to town. He was healing people, driving out the demons left and right. I mean, he could have had a really good run in Capernaum. He could have. Kind of like those Vegas shows where an entertainer just sets up shop and they just stay for three or four years. I mean, what a great gig. People just come to you every single night. Would we have blamed Jesus if he just stayed there and built his ministry in that one place? I mean, he was doing really good. Like most of us, I wonder if Jesus ever wrestled with those decisions. Should I go? Should I stay? Like most of us, there's a preference for the comforts that we know. Jesus' disciples saw it that way. They thought, hey, let's just stay here. Look, there's tons of people. Come on, Jesus, let's just stay. Well, wouldn't it be nice if we could just stay here, St. John's, and in our neighborhoods, in our homes, in our little areas that we know best, with our friends and family, and that's how we would spread the gospel, just among us. Wouldn't that be nice? 
Well, Jesus doesn't see it that way. And when he was navigating his ministry in those early days, he understood something essential. He had a mission, and it required more of him, that other people needed him, rich people, poor people, elderly, young, tax collectors, prostitutes, fishermen, the religious elite, widows, soldiers, the educated, and the humble and meek. And all the friends he called by name, and all of us yet to come. Jesus understood that he was called to go beyond his small village and spread the message beyond just the people and the places that he knew. And it goes for us as well. And really, it's just step six. I don't think we need to complicate it. Step six, Jesus understood the mission. He came back to it time and time again. The crowds, the powers that be, even his disciples tried to steer Jesus in one direction or another. And they certainly wanted to shape Jesus into their vision of a Messiah. But Jesus understood himself to be the message. And he understood what that message was. A message directed through him from God the Father. In Luke 4, 16 through 21, when Jesus went home to Nazareth, to a very tough hometown crowd, it was clear Jesus understood his ministry, and he expressed it as such. The scriptures say, as Jesus always did on Sabbath, he went to the meeting place, and when he stood up to read, he was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, God's spirit is on me. He's chosen me to preach the message of good news to the poor, sent me to announce pardon to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the burdened and battered free to announce this is God's year to act. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the assistant, and sat down. Every eye in the place was on him, intent. Then he started in. You've just heard the scripture make history. It came true just now in this place. Jesus knew his mission. At the end of the day, maybe that's the most important step. This one. That you need to understand why you're here. If you get through all six steps and you say to yourself, I don't get it, then that just means there's work to be done. And it's not a, a you know, admonishment. It's really just a reality check. It's part of the process. It's part of the journey. If you find your faith and discipleship lacking in the ability to spread the good news, it might be because there are parts that are unclear and uncertain for you. But have no fear. Those six steps for spreading the good news, they are also practices and principles of living. Living in the way of Jesus Christ. That leads to a good and abundant life that God would intend for us. A life that calls on us to do more and be more. Because God has chosen to reside in us. These are the steps that lead us to share what we know to be true. And if you find this all a little overwhelming, perplexing, and still hard to grasp, then sit with it. Or if you're like me, wrestle with it. Pray over it. 
Admit that you're working on figuring it out. That you just don't quite get it. You know, those scriptures that we read in Mark, that's only the 29th verse. Just go up a little bit more. Do you know where Jesus was before he was in Capernaum? Where he spent 40 days? Where was he? The desert, the wilderness. He spent 40 days before he embarked on his public ministry. Tempted and tested before he got his priorities cemented. I'm sure he had some very deep and troubling questions. Things that in his humanness he simply didn't get. I bet there was more than one time that he held up his hand and said, Dad, I, I don't think I understand what I'm supposed to be doing down here. I think that's why I am forever drawn to Jesus. It's not just the depths of his love or the enormity of his sacrifice, but that he did it all while walking in human flesh. And I'm sure there were times when he was confused and he was working it out. But as Jesus came to fully understand his ministry, as he came into his own, as with so many things, he graciously modeled for us a way to continue spreading his message long after his physical time on earth had passed. If God were one of us today, the message would be spreading. Not because of some piece of new technology or because we live in an advanced age. Those things are nice, but the message spreads because we've been taught. We have been shown through Jesus' actions, words, relationships, healing touch, and ability to break through boundaries. And finally, his prayerful and peaceful practices of how we too can spread the message so that the message will truly spread to those who need it most. The message spreads through us and out into the world today because we start believing that God is one of us today. And we are more than capable of the mission at hand. And we can say with confidence, we get it. Would you please join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, as your followers and disciples, we're called to continue your life-giving message of redemption, love, and grace. At times we might be confused at how we, your people, can truly harness the power and energy of the good news message so that others can come to know you. Help us to model your life and ministry so that we may be equipped to spread the message in a way that really gets the message spreading.